Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the last show of the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. For, the for 2016. 20- for 2016, we want to clarify. Yes, for the 2016. I was getting there, but you're right. I was a little slow on that. Um, so today is indeed December the 14th, and my name is Christine. And I'm Jake. And I'm Jessica. Hi. A new arts reporter for you guys on this um, fabulous cold evening, afternoon, I guess. Um, We are all broadcasting to you live from the University of British Columbia, Vancouver campus from unceded Musqueam territory. So given that today is the last show of 2016 for the Arts Report, we're going to do a couple things. It's really going to be a mixed bag. We've got reviews. We've got um, a couple previews for you guys um, to consider going out to new productions and shows for the next couple weeks um and also a a look back onto the year of what the arts report has done um, oh yeah yeah this past year which will be exciting yeah yeah 20 this is around the time too when 2016 retrospectives start coming out from assorted outlets yeah i find entertaining because it's not over yet there's a music critic online todd in the shadows who does a best of every year he painstakingly says, I only make the best of the year after the year's over. Which, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. But he's going, 2016, 2016 was a, was a terrible year. And, well, that, that, not wrong, but it's still not technically over yet. It is not technically over. But it's kind of amazing how, with the rise of social media, we have so many different ways to view this mm-hmm. entire year. So we've got the YouTube year in review. We've got the Facebook your individual year in review. And then you've got like the Facebook general year in review. And then you've got just like magazines like um, I think Forbes maybe does something. But Forbes, like more. The Atlantic. All yeah. The, all the, the, you know, those publications. But all of them do it to some degree. Like the Grammys are coming up, you know. So you get music retrospectives. Apparently the music's been good. There's been a lot of uh, farewell albums. David Bowie, Tribe Called Quest, um, uh, and of course Leonard Cohen. Andy, actually. Andy was mentioning that uh, last year, I recall, after the fellow from Tribe Called Quest died. I, I, don't, I, I don't know Tribe Called Quest, but uh, Neither do I. he mentioned that. Yeah. And for our listeners, while you may be familiar with Christine and um, Jake's voice, I'd like to formally introduce our newest arts reporter, Please give a brief introduction of yourself, my beautiful lady. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so again, as I said, uh, my name is Jessica. Um, I am a prospective journalism student. Um, I am obsessed with pop culture and everything to do with movies and stuff, all that good stuff. And I really like talking and I'm a little bit nervous right now, so... Aww. Well, don't be. You are a <laughs> fabulous individual that needs no, um, that n- needs not be nervous. So, um, in terms for yourself, uh, what do you think has been, let's say, two of the h- highlights in pop culture t- twenty sixteen? And two of the lowlights too. Let's let's. Okay, that. yeah, that's a good one. Oh, two um, highlights and two lowlights twenty sixteen. Oh no, put you in the hot seat. Spot. No, <laughs> no. Oh my god, my mind's going blank. Okay. Um. Oh damn. Okay. Sorry. Oh. All right. Um, so I think this doesn't really count as um, in 2016 because I said it in t- 
2015 as well. Mm-hmm. But it kind of happened like around New Year's Eve last year. So I'm just going to say it. Um, <laughs> Miley and Liam Hemsworth got back together. Um, I, It's not necessarily like anything to do with like art or anything but I was personally very super excited about that just because they started working on the last song I am so sorry guys no <laughs> they yeah started okay. working on the last song and it was a really good romantic movie and then they broke up and then they... anyways it was very personally um the fact that they're still together it's pretty cool okay and, and that kind of stuff um uh the other highlights honestly I'm like blanking right now Jake one more highlight or low light one more highlight or low light and but... then I'll add well, the low, well, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out a place to start with the low lights because getting in here, David Bowie and Leonard Cohen right off there. Would, Leonard Cohen. Let's just assume we're talking about artistic no. low lights here. Let's just uh, no. assume that. But the 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 highlights of it, honestly, um, musically, I was thinking about Sturgill Simpson. Sturgill Simpson's got a new album out. Uh, if you don't listen to Sturgill Simpson, I highly recommend it. Guys, uh, guy's a great musician. He's a southern boy from the states. He makes country music that you don't have to be ashamed to listen to. It's actually, he's very good. Uh, and another another highlight I want to say because I'm thinking of movies and um, one interesting movie. I uh, I was gonna see Nocturnal Animals, which if I if I'd seen it, I'd have an opinion on. It, but I, I wasn't able to actually see it. But it's another movie uh, Ashley and I saw was uh, Arrival a little while ago mm. and. Arrival, I don't know if I'd call that the highlight, but that's something like Arrival did get made because Arrival was a strange movie to watch. It was. Before it was a bad or a good movie, it's a strange movie. And I like seeing that. I really do. Uh, And I like seeing that in a big theater because that tells you that there's at least some, some, there's at least some kind of crapshoot there from people behind the desk. That, that, that kind of risk is, Sort of some evidence of free thought to me. The arrivals. The arrival. It was a. It's a. I, the first time I saw the trailer for it, I was like, "Wow, they're remaking Contact. It looks pretty good." But if we're gonna remake Jodie Foster movies, why don't we remake Twister? Bill Paxton could probably. Be, I'm assuming Bill Paxton was probably just waiting for that phone call. He probably just has the van right there. I don't know if Bill Paxton was even in the original movie, but I wanted to be. Maybe I'm thinking Nightcrawler because he had a van in that one too. But um, yeah, Arrival was uh, this the guy who did um, – did anyone see Enemy? No. The movie where Jake Gyllenhaal played two people. Oh, is this the one about J- Jake Gyllenhaal being a journalist? No, 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 not, not Nightcrawler. No. Oh, okay. Enemy. I was He's thinking a, of Nightcrawler. Was set, Never mind. That's also a really good movie. But Enemy was set in Toronto, filmed there too. And uh, he plays – two people it's a doppelganger story and the guy who directed that uh, made a rival so i like to see him i like to see him making money i haven't seen rogue one either heard that one was good my mm, nephews are, pro- are probably i haven't seen that one either. I- i'm probably gonna see that one my nephews and i've been looking very forward to it fair they love star enough. wars fair enough i do love talking about pop culture because it's so i don't know in in our face i guess <laughs> in terms of being on social media and just being a it's, it's hard to ignore, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is hard to ignore. Um, I just thought of another, I guess, personal low light. Um, like the indie film um, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is in wind. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to call that a low light, though. I'm sorry. That one, the one thing I noticed was that I got the trailer for that after I saw Fault in Our Stars, mm-hmm. which, and I, I sat there, I was like, okay, 
I know why this got greenlit, and that is really sad. Yeah. Um. So basically, um, I read the book before watching the movie, and I loved the book. It it. I've never laughed so hard at um, any book ever just because of the voice of the character, how mm. um, kind of cynical he was, but in a way that was just so, like, it was very blunt humor. It was, uh, uh, he was very immature, yes, but I kind of liked how he was just, he was just so honest, you know? So the movie came around and I thought that they changed way too much of it. Like, Rachel ended up being this stereotyp- more stereotypically indie girl um, than... Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but... Like the sort of Zoe Deschanel thing they were going yeah, for? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Yeah, it, it, she wasn't um, what I imagined Rachel to be. Um, it was kind of like how they made... You know, like Hermione and Harry Potter, like they made her beautiful and the, you know, I don't know. It kind of, I think, it kind of apps with the. I'm not sure if they knew that when they cast Emma Watson in the, in, in the first case. I don't case, think they did. Yeah, like th- look how Neville turned out, right? <laughs> I mean, like he, he's a dashing looking young man. I mean, and Emma Watson, of course, is bloody gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, sorry. Aside, aside from that, aside from the you know appearance of characters and whatever, the ending scene. Um, it was, you know, in the hospital scene, right? I haven't like, seen the movie. No, you haven't seen the movie? No, I, I got the trailer. I saw the trailer okay. and I, in front of Fault in Our Stars, and I was like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> spoiler alert. Um, so, in the ending scene when uh, Rachel is dying, um, she there's, like, on a screen, she's in the hospital bed, and the screen in front of her, Earl is, like, not Earl, uh, the main character. Earl's the black friend, right? Yeah, Earl's the black friend, so not not that person, but the main character. He is showing her a crappy film, because that's what he's best at, um, that he made for her. Um, and it's just super dramatic music is playing in the background. And these, like, it's like kind of like a stop-motion movie where it's just a bunch of random images and nothing makes sense. And then the, oh, there's these, like, lights flashing, and um, she's just having this, like, shocked look on her face and it's just oh God, very she's epileptic. Conf- yeah maybe no no no, no okay no, sorry no, about that no it's a different it's a different thing but um it just made it so it was kind of like uh, i it didn't fit how do i describe it 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 didn't fit with the whole like the whole reason i liked the book was because it wasn't it was understated it was understated the movie made it like way too overstated it was oversaturated with um sentiment sentimentalism i guess um if that makes sense i it's it's hard to discuss you're aiming for something like the fault in our stars which is yeah i think because that's the reason i like the fault in our stars a little bit like because i i i'll probably get some flack for this but i do i did like that book and i do like that movie uh because i mean there. Jarrett John Green's not a perfect writer, but I I like his persona and that colors I think how I see his work. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is that eh, ever you, you need a good tearjerker some of the time, and it's the content of that is something that is yes, really really brutal. I mean, when you're that age, when you're that young, and you have your life taken from you from that ailment, mm-hmm. is something none of us come even close to experiencing. But as a story, it it's a good tearjerker. It's something to that. 
and I, I, I can I can forgive uh, forgive that because sometimes you need that. And I think the sentimentality was part of that. And I'm getting mm. the impression that in this case, that came off as more dissonant or insulting. It seemed like they were forcing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because I can get, you know, I, I understand the whole, like, uh, uh, a movie uh, can come off as sentimental, but it can, sentimental can come off in a good way or in a bad way. And I found that with me and Orland dying girl it was uh very very forced very trying to cop maybe copy something else maybe reaching for something that they shouldn't have been reaching for they should have just kind of just like let the book this is pretty much just like a random like just leave the book be you know well, it got made because of fault in our stars i'm, I'm fairly yeah, sure prob- of that probably. so Probably. Yeah. Wow, we just did a full review of that. <laughs> I wasn't even expecting. Um... One, one more thing about 2016. This is an unrelated one, but uh, the Killers released a song about um, called Happy Birthday Guadalupe for the, the holiday on December 12th. And that's um, it's a, it's a really good song. Check it out. I, I, I really like the Killers a lot. They're a great band. Um, and it's, uh, it's, 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 it's it, Brandon Flowers is a strange man. But he has a whole bunch of Christmas songs, and I actually don't know if they're on an, a single album or if they're spread out across it. But he has uh, one, Christmas in L.A., where the video has Owen Wilson in it. Uh, he has an, a song, another song called Don't Shoot Me, Santa. I'll let the title speak for itself. But, yeah, that, that was – I got that video a little while ago, and that, that cheered me up a little bit. That, uh, that was a bit of a highlight. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, given that we're already on the vein of reviews and, and sharing our opinions about um, certain pr- – productions uh why don't we start our review start our review of something that's a little bit more um musical expected, get I guess, right into expected it from the arts report um, yes yeah jake. so jake and i went to go see uh mary poppins mary poppins the musical by the arts club what well this is a show that is so when we went to see the day before christmas what we came out of that show saying is that this is competent it's not bad, but it's not – apart from the sets, the, the content of the show was generally not exceptional. There was the one good performance, and then there was the sets. But other than that, not an exceptional show. That was our review of Day Before Christmas, yeah? The set was pretty exceptional, but yes. Yeah, the sets and, and the dad, the, the performance there. Yes, other, the dad, would you say right. the show in general came off as a very good average? Yes. Well, the show is what you would expect – from how you would feel from a typical Christmas movie. Yeah, you, you, you never feel at all odd throughout. You feel fine. It's a very even-keeled one. This was almost exactly the opposite in terms of uh, impression of it. See, now it's been a while since I've seen the original movie, Mary Poppins, but I have very fond memories of it, and mm-hmm. I watched it a, a lot when I was younger because my grandmother had it on VCR. That, that dates me a little bit, but dates all of us to a degree. Uh, and... What I this uh, show, if you could find one sentence to describe this show in relation to the movie, how would you describe it? This show in relation to the movie? Yeah, because it's going to have to be judged that way. Mary Poppins was was a story that was adapted into a movie and then into a play, hmm. but from a story. So it's a, it's a sort of odd cycle where it gets there. Hmm. Well, I would say that. The recreation of the music numbers, the numbers of the uh, famous songs like A Spoonful of Sugar, Chim Chimney, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, was pretty 
on point. And well, there was one that was amazing. Yeah. Um, Just uh, And it's not that this doesn't have good parts to it. We'll get to those. I think it was the musical numbers that rescued this production, though. And those were the ones that kind of yeah. kind of made it worthwhile for me to watch. And there was also, well, what made it worthwhile for me to watch was a good fellow named, the good fellow who played Bert. And his name was Scott Walters. And the interesting thing about the way this play got put together is that Bert is more of a Mary Poppins character than Mary Poppins is. <laughs> And I'm not sure if that's because of the the performance, which honestly, the performance of Mary Poppins by uh, Miss Kayla James was, um, I, I thought, very stiff. I thought uh, very – and there's there's a place for that. This is Edwardian England. Uh, there's nobody really very limber in, uh, in, in Edwardian England. The spinal cords are very perpendicular to the ground, as it were. But um, the thing – the point of Mary Poppins the movie, as I recall, was sort of to, you know, loosen up have a somewhat like be a somewhat reasonable person and to have fun with life and that was sort of lost yeah a little bit a, a wee bit because um julie andrews and mary poppins i realize how on point she was in retrospect and this is a harsh comparison from a stage play to a movie because you have to act differently on stage than you do on film but julie andrews as mary poppins seems like somebody who's very at ease with the world around them and very proper because that's just a thing that happens because she's a supernaturally enabled person in Edwardian England. That's just, that, that's just how it is. Nobody questions it. Uh, in this case, Miss um, James, as Mary Poppins, was very regimented as if there is this very specific preternatural rule book uh, for child rearing, which, as I say it, sounds rather ominous and or, or, or actually could be delightful, as J.K. Rowling has uh, shown us. <laughs> Rowling, Rowling, Rowling. Am I mispronouncing that? No, you're not. I'm not quite sure. Maybe Rowling, Rowling. Because I've heard Rowling uh, more often than not in a digression number two from me. Um, and what I ended up happening was the fantastical episodes seemed more out of place a little bit, would you say? I would have to definitely agree with that. I think the plot and and the story arc of this was uh definitely jagged and and very yeah like, this was a random production yeah it almost came off as 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 random oh which it did come off as random is, which is a little which was a little unfortunate to see because i do really appreciate uh the mm-hmm. story arc of the original mary poppins of her really helping the children come closer with their with their father in particular yeah Um, yeah but i think that that story was yeah it just it was it 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 was i think problem a part of the problem too was the length because the movie's short the movie the movie's uh, i don't know if you well not short but it's zippy it's it's the movie doesn't feel like a long sit at all because it is kind of (laughs) random the movie is kind of inane but it's very fast in its terms of its pacing, so it doesn't seem that way. But it's you can't really do that as well on stage because it's just a different medium. You can't cut things together. You can't cut things together. You, it's, you can't really sculpt in time, as it were, the same way. So this seemed long. And by the end of the first act, we were like, we were both talking to each other like, this is random. We were. We were. And, like, there's, um, there's a good example is the scene in the park. Um, there's no penguins. Which I found I found disappointing. I like the penguins. You're our favorite person. That's adorable. 
They're penguins. Okay, but a very minor detail. Moving okay. on. Okay, <laughs> but the penguins, in this case, there were Greek statues. And you know exactly what I'm thinking right now because uh, this is, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, uh, battle armor centurion statues. This is fig leaf Greek statues we're talking about. One, And they come to life. And one of them yes. actually, yes, they do, they do. And um, those uh, those costs. Let's just say, you know, if you see some a, a person made of stone dancing before you with only a fig leaf on, I think that's going to raise a lot more sinister questions than if you see some delightful penguins laying uh, laying out a lunch spread. I'm, I'm just saying. But they did give one of them a character who was Melius, and I actually um, I don't recall if this is actually in mythology because. Uh, th- th- a lot of the Greek gods have many, many children. They do. And Melius, according to the play, is the son of Poseidon. Mm-hmm. And he wants his father back, the statue. That's what he says he'd like. Just mentions it uh, to the bank's children uh, towards the end of that dance number before he resumes uh, being statuary. And uh, in the end, he's reunited with his father. Just... There's no mention of it otherwise. By... That, that happens with the mother, too. Because it turns out... And they jammed this plot right in there they uh it turns out that she used to be an actress and she's she's bored with the social registry company and that i do not think was in the movie but she would like to sort of be acquainted with that company again which i which you know that that's reasonable that's that's being with your friends being with people you like and in the end after she mentions this in the first act, pretty early in the first act, and then at the very end, she's like, "You know, I I don't think that'll be fine. I think that I'm gonna stay with my family." Okay, that's reasonable. There's no arc there. That's just two random things that mostly happened if there was an arc happened off stage and probably in a slightly more depressing play. Like there's those are those are smaller things. Like both of those things are story arcs that I was wondering. This is this is a three-hour-long performance. This is a full stage play. You can do this. There are random episodes with a candy shop for words, but these arcs have no meat to them whatsoever. No. Which was something very odd to me. And it's really glaring but... because they bring them up at the end to just tie that one right up. I mean, yes, they do tie up all of the random bits of loose ends just kind of in a in a ex machina way at the, at the very end. Oh, then yeah. Just like, okay, well, there's... The there we star go. candy and the vase. But that's also why I kind of felt like when I was watching this musical, you know how sometimes when you watch something really, like, colorful and flashy as a kid, it just kind of, like, kind of keeps you occupied or, like, entertains you. But, like, as a kid, you don't really understand what's going on. You just, like, kind of see what's happening, and you're like, wow, so cool. Well, that's, so, I, yeah. in that way, I guess Mary Poppins does make you feel like a kid again. This this one? Yeah, that, it, you're confused as to why these things are happening. Except when you're a kid, you're not confused. You're like, oh, okay, penguins are bringing them their lunch. Awesome. Which, it was awesome. I would love penguins to bring me confectionery. If anybody can make that happen, please look me up. But... The, the thing about uh, the movie, which is different, is that the movie kind of operates on bizarre logic, whereas this but does... there is a logic. There is a logic to it. There is a very, one could say, childlike logic to it. And in here, it was, it was very pervasive in that, in that uh, movie. On the stage play, because they downplay it so much, like, I did not see uh, a lot of Mary Poppins doing mystical things. Like, there was the, there was the carpet bag. 
Yeah. There yeah. was the, where she pulled the assorted things out, Large which was a good stage trick. From, yeah. From, from, from the bag. From the yeah. Bag. Which, like in the movie. Uh, oh, and, of course, the spoonful of sugar thing where she changes the flavor, which, easy to block. Okay, fine. And, and I believe she's the one that brings the statues to life? She was, but it was it was weirdly blocked because she was off stage most of the time. So I was wondering, do they just do this every day? Is this just is this just a thing? Do the statues get their cardio? She flies. She flies. She does. She does fly. And the wire effects in this show were really good. Mm-hmm. I'll say that right now. And I have a specialist respect for wire effects because the first show I ever saw in my life was Peter Pan. Oh. And uh, fun fact about Jake. Yep. Fun fact about me. There will be there will probably be a quiz at some point. You can win a prize. That's uh, true, guys. Keep listening. And uh, but that was that was one thing. The effects for the show were not bad. The sets were really elaborate. The choreography, as we will mention, was good most of the time for one number. Absolutely phenomenal. And that was uh, the London step in time, step in time, step by London time. step in time, step in time. Those aren't the lyrics, but I, I just you know you remember the chorus. Um, and that that was a chance for the entire ensemble to do one of the more uh, impressive and very honestly, very sincerely bombastic. It looked kind of like a scene from Newsies a little bit, except the the one time I've seen Newsies, the choreography is actually less good because I saw the movie Newsies and Christian Bale, while he's a very talented man, is not a very good dancer. And or maybe he is now. I'm not certain. He's he, anyway. He, he was younger than us, but um. Uh, the, this one, they were just busting out the stops, and Bert, thanks to these wire effects, walked up one uh, the side of the stage, across the ceiling, totally and then upside down. Down, yeah, like that is like I was just thinking that took, but that would have taken a lot of work to practice. That's yeah. that's a lot of work put in there, and it, it really does show. And like I could, be, if I was a kid watching that, I'd been like, oh my god, what's going on? And you know that that, that would have been that would have been amazing. But and it wasn't just the guy uh, mm. walking like around the room. It was there was tap dancing, but there yep. was also like acrobatic jumps, yep. throwing each other around like yeah. a sailor Cirque du Soleil with newsboy caps. It was really amazing. It really was. Uh, that was that that was honestly uh, a redeeming part of the show for me. That was, I I don't know if I'd recommend it solely to see that, but it, it'd be close. It was that good. It it was a really good piece of choreography. Yeah. So I mean, on that note, I think Jake and I would both agree that. This isn't one of the arts clubs. Best if we wouldn't recommend Day Before Christmas, which at least was uniformly competent, I don't think we can recommend this. Yeah. I mean, it's it definitely was not something that Jake and I enjoyed watching Like out of all three of the Christmas productions that Arts Club has mm. going on right now. I think this one was the weakest. But that being said, it doesn't. it's not void of some really, really, really Did I mispronounce his name? This, this program says Neelius, not Melius. Oh, and Neelius is actually a son of, he was a character. Well, is he a hero? Does he take part in the Iliad or something? No, he has an extremely small role, um, very little. In uh, in whatever text is he mentioned, is he is he a hero or just a, just, a, just a guy who has something happen to him? Is he one of Ovid's boys or? Well, he is the son of. I really uh, should know this. I do. Poseidon. He is yeah. the son of Poseidon. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, like there's. That, that was just kind of random, that story. Oh, uh, we should mention, um, well, who was the, um, we, sh- we should mention the uh, the Banks children in this, who were, the, these are our young kids, these are, uh, Which I think. Which Arts Club is known to do, to highlight their yes. young um, actors and actresses. And I, th- I think, I think they did fine. I think they did fine, because 
when you're when you have kids that when you have kids that young, because um, Michael Banks, uh, the actor who played him, Glenn Gordon, couldn't have been. But what do you think about it? Could have been eight years old. You think around that? Yeah. Probably. And then his sister is probably about twelve. Uh, Elizabeth Irving is Jane. Um, and I, I find that when you're that young, regardless of what role you have in the play, there is someone. It's like an animal trainer. Somebody is yelling at you from just off stage throughout rehearsals mm-hmm. uh, to do this certain thing. Because you're you're at the very entry level there. Because I, I at the the Grand in London where I like I, I in the last couple of years of high school I was pretty involved there, and a friend of mine staged staged a lot a few shows there, and in the couple times she worked with kids, the thing about that was really that if you're if you're a kid on stage sometimes the there's not necessarily a full understanding of what's going on, because you know when when you're a kid you don't necessarily care. Or just the role's that limited. And it just often goes by rote a lot of the time. So in terms of that, I thought they were fine. I didn't think they were obnoxious. I didn't think I, – I, I thought they, they did their job well. I thought, I thought they were good for that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, hope, I hope they keep at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I actually do really think that Arts Club um, is one of the few th- local theater companies in Vancouver that can – that has the capacity to put on big Broadway musicals. So I hope that Mary Poppins isn't the last Broadway musical that they they do and bring to stage uh, because one of the wonderful things about um, the Arts Club is that, um, yeah, it can, it can put on big numbers like this and um, show a little bit more of the, highlight a little bit more of the uh, theatrical aspects of plays than... Yeah, then most. Well, even then, I wouldn't mind if they did a Broadway musical. It's just, I think this one was a bit of a problem. I can't, because a lot of our problems with this musical are with the are also with the book and the libretto. Um, Miss James' performance of Mary Poppins was wasn't uneven, but it, I, in in our opinion, probably was not the best choice for the character, and those were issues that kind of made it. It was inconsistent. The thing this was not that the day before Christmas was is consistent like the day before christmas was a very even show it did almost exactly what you expected to do it didn't do that badly this didn't really do what it was expected to do it didn't necessarily limp to the finish it, it didn't because no, they were like no. it's like step in time that was a solid piece of choreography and again bert was delightful i really should keep remembering his name scott walters was delightful as bert and like honestly he seemed more like a preternaturally enabled character than mary poppins did because again he walked on the ceiling there's two people who can do that geckos and bert apparently so there's that to it and uh yeah on, on the whole this um i don't think we can recommend this show but that being said, we are still going to share the information for this. Yes, show. we are because you know you, because some of you may hate us um, and, and be interested in what the heck we're talking about, yeah, right? I, I, I do joke that there are reasons to see this. Just on the whole, between us, probably not. So Mary Poppins is playing now until January the first, and you can buy tickets uh, for this show starting from twenty nine dollars um, a ticket which is not that bad, actually. Um, and, yeah, they've got performances almost every single night um, at 7.30 p.m. Uh, this is one of the three productions that Arts Club is doing um, right now. So this is going to be – Mary Poppins is at the Stanley Industrial Alliance stage. Is the other one still Avenue Q? 
Yes. Uh, the one happening on Granville Island stage is Avenue Q, which Jake and I watched. And, and are... so did Jessica. Am I, am I no. correct in that? No, I just no. had a lot of opinions from what you said. <laughs> Ashley did. Oh, Ashley's on um, Avenue Q. Yes. Our other arts report host for any of you new listeners. Currently in California. <laughs> yes, she is currently in California. And the final one was the day before Christmas at the Gold Corp mm-hmm. stage at the BMO Theater. So all of these shows, whatever you're interested, whatever tickles your fancy, um, you can get tickets for and more information about at www.artsclub.com. So the Arts Club, I mean, not the Arts Club, the Arts Report is going to be back after a few short commercials. We're going to be doing a review of a movie at Cinematheque by our very new Arts Reporter. Um, and then we're going to be doing a little bit of a review of 2016, what the Arts Report has done. So not so much the pop culture we were kind of like just talking about in the beginning of the show, but more about... We're sometimes self-indulgent. Remember the election episode? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so we'll be talking a little little bit more about what's been happening locally I guess throughout this year some of the highlights um aka uh the this fringy life that was wonderful and oh yeah we'll be go fringe yourself yeah and a kind of a, a preview for the next big uh big thing coming up in 2017 which will be push I am looking uh, very forward to that, that happens like just right right in January so stay tuned everybody uh we are the arts report my name is Christine I'm Jake I'm Jessica. And we'll be right back. Are you looking for a volunteer opportunity that fits your schedule? Being a big sister takes less time than you think, and you can choose the volunteer opportunity that fits your life. Spend just one hour a week as a study buddy, tutor, or two hours a week as a big sister. Check out the various mentoring programs at Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland and find a volunteer position and a little sister that will suit you to a T. Visit bigsisters.bc.ca for more information today. The December 2016, January 2017 issue of Discorder Magazine is out now. 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 We managed to record CITR student executive president Shay McConkie's first glimpse at the new issue. That's funny. (laughs) Open one up yourself to read interviews with Walgren, poet Adele Barclay, Jaykin, Kim Mortal, Dad Thighs, and a guide for playing shows in America, amongst other goodies. Plus, live show reviews of The Body, Hannah Epperson, and album reviews of Monomyth, Daniel Terrence Robertson, and more. Thanks to this issue's advertisers, whom we love dearly, Live Van, Geist, Steam Whistle, The Rickshaw Theater, Timber Concerts, The Rio Theater, Mint Records, Nightwood Editions, Audiopile Records, The Astoria Vinyl Records, The Wise Hall, and Jazz Records. Grab a copy around town or read the issue online at discorder.ca. Maybe our best issue ever. Most likely. I would say, like, high, high chance of best edition ever. Nobody told me did it on my own. As the people surfing our podcast right now know the internet is for porn. We, we were just discussing Avenue Q. <laughs> Welcome back. This is the Arts Report. You guys know it's true. On CITR 101.9. And no, the internet is not for porn. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, it is. <laughs> before we start into the review um, about a movie, a very special movie um, that featured in VIF, TIFF, and is running right now. Oh, not right now. All but, the ifs. <laughs> but... Um, Wow, that was the weirdest laugh I have ever done on air. Anyways, um, before we get into that particular film, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about two, 
actually just one, just one um, special performance to keep your eye out on. Uh, this is a reoccurring, not reoccurring, but a returning production. Have any of you guys ever heard of Stomp? Yes, Mm-mm. Ashley told me about it. It is an international percussion sensation. It basically uses um, household items like garbage cans, tea chests, radiator hoses, boots to make music. Do to make music. It's like the Anna Kendrick thing with the cups, but on steroids. <laughs> and and much more intricate. Um, so stop. I don't know. Have you ever tried to rehearse that? It's tough. <laughs> Stomp does, yeah, like that, but like way, way, way more, um, like on a higher level. <laughs> um, and it's going to be coming to Vancouver uh, next year in January, January 13th to 15th. It's only here for two days, which is why I just wanted to give a shout out for it now because it's not going to be here long and people should get this into their calendars. But uh, Stomp is coming back um, for the first time since 2008 to Vancouver. And it'll be here January 13th to the 15th at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. And uh, we'll probably maybe give another mention of it then. But because I want to really just encourage you guys to check this uh check this performance out uh i am going to be playing um a little bit of what stomp sounds like so this is only like a 45 second clip but uh take a listen okay And that is what happens when Neil Peart gets blackout drunk and raids your trash can. Did not understand that reference and probably no. The dude from Rush. He's a Canadian musician, so it counts. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if that sounded really cool to you and cool just because of the fact that none of those were actual instruments and they were all just kind of household items. Well, maybe not household, but still just like regular non-musical um, items. If you're interested, please go to www.stomponline.com and it'll redirect you to the official ticket website. Um, And yeah, you can get tickets now. So I would say jump on it. But moving on to the next review that we have for the show today. All right. Wonderful um, friend, please take it away. Okay, I'll just just take it away. Well, a very, very, very brief summary is, um, well, the... Uh, sorry, the movie that we're talking about is called Old Stone, and um, this it's set in China. Um, it's about uh, the epidemic that we keep hearing in the news about uh, hit and runs, and and the fact that um, people like the the, the people who hit um, pedestrians they run over um, them again to make sure that they're dead, pretty much, um, instead of maybe like calling for help or or something like that. So. Old Stone. Um, this guy, uh, you know, hits a person, severely injured. Um, he, against protocol, um, he <clears throat> basically 
like just brings the injured guy to the hospital you know like it seems like what a good samaritan would do um but afterwards uh he is uh shamed by uh the taxi cab company that he works for as well as his family his friends basically all society um they guilt him at into uh i guess his wife guilts him into bribing money from or not not bribing money i'm sorry that was taking not money right. or bribing no no somebody. no 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 not not taking money but like asking for money begging pretty much like she got on her knees and like begged for money because they're a very poor family and basically what the issue is is that he's now responsible um the main character Lao Shi or however you pronounce his name um he's responsible for the guy he hits medical bills and they're so heavy the guy is in a coma right now and uh we don't know when he's gonna wake up at least for the first part of the film and they're just sky high and just everyone's mad at him everyone's pissed so basically um most of the rising action in the movie is uh he goes through a series of you know like the whole reason that he got into the accident in the first place is because of a drunk passenger who tugged on his shoulder um so he goes to him uh, asking for uh, him to basically record a statement at the a police station um, to say, like, hey, uh, this is what happened. The guy refuses. Um, he's rich, by the way, so, like, he would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, spoiler alert, at the very end. No, I'm not going to talk about the very end yet. Um <laughs> so it's sort of it's sort of like a I don't know like a Kafkaesque thing where he's just being hounded for doing a, a good deed. Yeah, it's it's a it's really complicated. It's um just dealing with a moral dilemma. Like, what would you do in this situation? Um, because now <sighs> I talked to you uh, before you went to go see the film, and you were pretty quite adamant about how horrible you know this trend is in yeah. in, in China about the right. hit and run. Did this movie? Um, did this movie kind of change your views on any of that? Did it? You know what um, I'll describe it. Help bring I'll, a different side of the issue that you normally wouldn't have thought of. You know what I would compare it to. If anyone listening has seen Black Mirror, um, the oh, season. <laughs> yeah, there, here we go. So, um, one of the episodes, um, uh, this hacker it destroys this young kid's life as well as like a bunch of other people's, and uh. Throughout that episode, I could see myself relating to that kid. He right. gets involved with, uh, he kills someone. He robs a, uh, a, a place, I think is a bank or something. Um, I could see myself, if I were in his shoes, I would do the exact same thing. In this movie, I could almost see myself, if I were um, under that amount of pressure, I would probably end up doing what the main character did, which was pull the plug on the uh, comatose guy's, uh, you know, hospital bed so that he couldn't, that basically he tried to kill him okay. that way. Um, I could, but I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't, like, <laughs> okay, I'm not wording this correctly, but I could see myself going to, let's say, uh, certain extremes to to try to alleviate this situation. You can feel sympathetic for him. I can feel sympathetic towards him. Um, It's just an awful situation. And um, not to mention, like, everyone in China smokes, so that can't help their stress levels. (laughs) Like, they're smoking indoors. Well, that... Everyone. 
most people, a lot of people who do smoke smoke to calm down. So yeah, no, that's not good but, for the public health. But the air quality <laughs> in China is, you know, not not generally good for human life. Yeah, yeah, apparently. but like when they're not smoking, it, it, they can kind of like get more agitated. You know, I think yeah. I feel like they can. I think something important to mention is um, the fact how how tradition and custom are very important. In especially mainland China, like never mind uh, immigrants who came to Canada, um, like tradition and following the rules is such an important thing. So I think this movie did a really good job of portraying how custom could get in the way of of human instinct and and morals. Um, what I you, thought what they tell you to do is not what you have to do. What you should do, like like okay. what it would what what would seem right, what would feel right to do. Because the right thing to do was what that guy did. Um, he uh, brought if he didn't bring the guy he hit to the hospital, then he would have been dead. But everyone else is shaming him for doing that because now he has to pay so many things. His friend, who pl- he, who he uh, regular sees and goes uh, drinking with, um, he said that um, he accused the main character of being stubborn and started yelling at him for some reason, which I didn't understand. And um, it was just a very absurd way of dealing with uh, what would seem to be a clear moral situation. Hmm. Hmm. There we go. And do you suppose that's good at highlighting a cultural difference between here and there? Right. No. Okay. I. I. Um. I don't want to say that because. Um, because it, it would also be a legal difference because here, I. I there is no. A similar law that you have to take care of. Exactly, but I think I think I think I also want to point out that um, I I read um, an interview that uh, Johnny Ma, who created this film, did did, and he said that um, he didn't want uh, the place to seem like it had to be. He didn't want to seem make the film seem like it had to be in China. It could happen anywhere. Well, considering the the, your parallel was Black Mirror, Black Mirror is about human nature and absurdity mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why black mirror scares me to no end black mirror is so good for the reason that it's is so realistic and it um while it focuses on ai and all this advanced technology it always brings it back to a human center well the pilot episode with the um with i the feel like British that was Prime a minister i Honestly, I feel like that was the tamest episode yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, well, probably, but it still drives home the point. Mm-hmm. The point is, in Black Mirror anyway, and I'm assuming with this one, yeah. that the overarching problem is so far above the people within it or is elevated that way by circumstance as it is in Black Mirror because yeah. other people doing it on an individual level that it's insurmountable. Yeah. So it's absurd to act in it. It is impossible for a single human to defy the system pretty much that has been set up i guess in this particular movie uh china yeah to they, deal with hit and runs they have a tendency to shoot people for you know doing making those gestures too so that's sorry what the chinese government has a tendency to shoot people for making uh oppositional gestures too i'm not sure if that applies oh, in this situation um, yeah but. actually that was another thing that um the director mentioned it was um he uh apparently um in china like well there's of of course like censorship as well so he had to deal with censorship and mm. as, and, and on top of uh the indie film industry it's not supported at all um he, he will go to um 
just like a bunch of people in the business and say like, hey, I want to make this movie. And they'll immediately ask like, is it commercial or is it like an independent arts one? And if he says it's an independent arts one, then they just will not give them a second chance or or like will not hear them out. And did the director do a Q&A after this? Is that what was that? Uh, well, I'm not sure. Go like, I, he did promo, right? So it was just one of Oh, the... so this is from his promo for the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, I just read one article that was just, uh, he was just talking about uh, the process of getting, you know, he got some, like, pretty high-profile, I guess, in China, some pretty high-profile actors, and he just basically talked about uh, the how he even made this film how it was even possible because it was almost impossible hmm. it was pretty it was pretty cool hmm. and yeah. would you recommend uh recommend people seeing this film i would say that if you want to get really really depressed and like a dark dose of of realism um probably over dramatized but this, I, is, this I, isn't I, comedic in tone like no, black mirror no is it? no no it's black mirror has had funny moments Extremely black. I'm thinking of the pilot again. A, a little bit. Like that's – in summary, that right. sounds funny. Summary, that sounds like something it sh- that should be funny. But the funny. thing with Black Mirror in that specific episode, we're talking about the president – or it's not the prime minister, right? Like yes, a vision. One. Yes. Okay. So uh, basically what happened in that episode was um, the – it when, when at first when you see um, – the, the people watching the screen of, of, of the whole thing going down, like the, let's just say, like the prime minister, like needing to, to have sex with the pig. Um, they, that is the plot point, by they, the way. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he's being that, made to do it. He's not, he's, he's not, uh, that's not his own volition. That's, that's the thing. It's blackmail. Yeah, he, it's, it's blackmail. Like they've, they've kidnapped the princess or whatever. So um, initially you see them uh, entertained. Um, but then you see the horror descending on their faces yeah. after that. So when you say comedy, I hesitate to to agree with that just because it's very um, – it, it shows how the triviality, I guess, of technology and the internet for Black Mirror can hmm. descend into darkness. And it shows the dark side of that. Oh, yeah, very quickly. And I'm assuming that that, that was not at all apparent in this movie because, it, because the thing about Black Mirror too is the tone in that one was that – and the end of it, spoilers, this is just one episode <laughs> of the series, there's a whole lot more depression where this came from, mm-hmm. um, is that it was just this insane artist who did it as the best piece of performance art possible. Black Mirror, that's a recurring theme throughout multiple seasons. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. like that That was, and that is kind of a joke, an extremely dark mm-hmm. joke. Yep. But like, haha, you guys believed me? Because he wasn't going to kill her. Yeah. He, he never, that was never part of his plan. Yeah. But like, haha, you guys believe me. Yeah, it, it was more than a joke, though. It was a statement, you know? It was a statement to say um, how, it, it was kind of, it was just like a power thing, you know? Like, I actually made you guys believe that, look at the power of the internet, look at the power of, of, uh. I can make the most powerful person in the country commit bestiality on live television. Yeah. That is influence. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that does not happen in this movie. No, but we were talking about yeah. what, what were we even talking about? Well, the we, comedic tone. I'm assuming there is none here in that regard because this seems like a fairly a tense drama, like something like because uh, this this is hit and runs are common. Like you can foreseeably yeah. know someone who's in this same situation. Yeah. Not legally because 
not necessarily legally because that's not as common, but as presumably that. This is a kitchen sink drama. Yeah. Um, it wasn't – I didn't find any parts of it especially funny. The only, like, light parts, I guess, were the parts where – honestly, the parts of suspense. Like, the entire movie was very um, – It just, it wasn't, it wasn't, there wasn't humor in it. Let's just say that. <laughs> it was, it was very real. But I feel like it was really well done, though. Um, I think that uh, what happened at the ending was um, he actually, he's at the tail end of the hit and run. So he, um, after getting into a fight with, like, a drunk passenger again, god damn it, because uh, yeah. <laughs> this guy doesn't learn his lesson, um, he gets run over by a truck who that can't stop in time um and then the ending scene is that truck running over him so the main character and then stops right at that moment close up on his face that's the kind of like this well there it is that's pretty depressing yeah it sounds like a movie i would like though yeah one that'll just leave me i was scared to watch this movie initially because i didn't want to be sad Oh no! But well, there's a reason I don't watch Lars von Trier's movies anymore. Yeah. Never, never, never liked von Trier personally. But I never heard of him. Actually. Lars von Trier, uh, Danish guy. He made Melancholia with Kirsten Dunst was one of them. Title really says it all for that one. He made Dogville. That was really good. But that is something that will make you hate the human race. Uh, Dogville's a movie that ends with a mass murder. And you're rooting for Don't the people who do this. Don't you just love movies that make you hate the human race, though? Well, you know... Like, you know... James Caan shows up at the end. I'm like, where is this going? Okay, he wanted one of the Godfather cast to do this because it makes a lot more sense when that happens. It's Dog Dogville pretty much literally ends with old Sonny Corleone showing up and killing a bunch of people you've wanted to die for about an hour. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Oh, Merry God. Christmas! <laughs> well, yes. I mean... I, I, I knew this that doing a review of Yellowstone would take our conversation oh, right. in a little bit of a dark tone. Old stuff. But I, I don't – sorry, Old Stone. I was going to say um, the park in California. I was going to – I meant Old Stone. Um, but what I is, – What does the title mean, by the way? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, it has a double meaning. So directly translated, it's Old Stone, um, like Lao Shu. Um, but it's actually uh, – it's supposed to it, – its double meaning is uh, – Naive, like too naive, too innocent, mm-hmm. which is what this guy was. Right. Uh. Mm-hmm. Connection made. Mm-hmm. Um, the Arts Report is going to be back with a little bit of a lighter tone <laughs> after the break. Um, <laughs> with uh, a little bit of a preview of what's been happening with the Arts Report the past 20 for the past year and what, what is, what was, and what shall to. be. But it'll be quite short but because our reviews were longer than I expected, but a good Sorry. thing because. I think we can go a couple minutes over. It's the last episode. Always, always on of the year. Yes. Okay. So we will be right back. You are listening to the Arts Report on CITR one hundred one point nine FM. Become a CITR member and make some new friends. Members get discounts downtown at Little Sisters Book and Art Emporium, the Cinematheque, the Fall Tatooine, Selectors Records, Community Thrift and Vintage, Vinyl Records, Sakura's Classical Records, and Beat Street Records. What would we do without our friends?
a show dedicated to playing psychedelic music from parts of the spectrum rock, pop, electronic, as well as garage and noise rock. Sundays, 5 to 6 p.m. at CITR 101.9 FM. Welcome back to the Arch Report on CITR 101.9 FM. We are at the very tail end of the show tonight. And basically before uh, we close off the Arch Report for the year, we'll be back in January. Um, so be looking out for us. Uh, we wanted to talk about kind of the, the, the big, big productions that we covered, the big numbers that we covered, and given that we don't have much time, I just want to highlight... Greatest Hits 2016. Uh, no. I want to <laughs> highlight Vancouver Fringe. The Vancouver Fringe Festival had happened in early September. Yeah. And yeah. the Vancouver Fringe is always kind of at the end of all the Fringe Festivals that happen across Canada. Um, and we covered, we did a whole podcast series called This Fringy Life. Um, and This Fringy Life featured... Mm -hmm. A number of interviews with yeah. many different fringe artists, directors, um, costume designers, music musicians. Some uh, shows I, we were very glad to see, you know. Yeah. So for any of you guys that's wondering or interested, um, please go to our Mixcloud account. Our Mixcloud has all of our special one-on-one -on -one interviews um, as well as any special podcast series that we have. Um, and highlighting Mixcloud, you know, you can really see – who and what we've been covering ever since the summertime. Like, we've covered Coastal Cities Ballet's Swan Lake. Uh, we've covered Baroque to Rock, um, um, a violinist, a violin performance by this um, man whose name was, uh, who, whose name is Christian Herky. Uh, we covered Red by John Logan, which was a play by um, one of our favorite directors, Tanya Mativanen. And we covered a lot more like UBC Department of Theater and Film is already off to a great 2016-17 uh, season um, with Edward II having having we've we having covered that oh yeah Chris uh, Marlowe play in it we covered yes and we covered a little bit of the Vancouver International Film Festival we actually yeah, got an interview with the director of mm -hmm. We Are X which was a film about a Japanese rock band um, and so much more. Like, was that the this, Jim Jarmusch movie? This is not even. Sorry. Was that? Was it? No, 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 no. No, it wasn't. That was "Give Me Danger." Disregard, disregard. Very stupid question. But it's fine. I, I love stupid questions sometimes. Um, <laughs> so we. That explains why I'm covered, still on the show. <laughs> we've literally covered so much more than that. So please do check out our Mixcloud account. Um, you can just go to www.mixcloud.com and search up Arts Report. Um, so speaking of how we just briefly touched on the Fringe, one of the festivals that we're really looking forward to uh, in the upcoming year is PUSH. And Fringe is all about the Fringe, like Fringe Theater. And PUSH is very similar to that, but highlights, about, but highlights international theater. So highlights people and artists from different places around the world, such as the U.S., Canada, so, England. Sort of midway Korea. between VIF and Fringe. Sure, sure. If, if you want to look at it that way. Yeah, and uh, they're already, they've already come out with um, a great lineup. So if any of you guys are interested in um, – if any of you guys are really interested in just getting a head start on what kinds of shows you want to watch and what kind of shows you want to keep a, kind of a tab on, I would really suggest uh, – going to the push the push festival website because one of the things that i found in fringe is if you kind of like 
come in late to the game, you realize that you your options to see certain shows that you want to see are really limited because you're like they only have like two more showings left and they're all booked. So I would really say don't do yourself. Don't yes do and no. That that that's that that was really only that was really true of um I'd say about forty percent of the shows maybe, but there were there was a large portion of shows that had open seats I think throughout their run. Fringe being what it is, sometimes you just can't make it. And also just in terms of scheduling, like if you know that there's like one show left, but you've got something important that day. But the great thing about Fringe is that if you show up on Granville Island, there's good odds you'll be able to see one or two shows as a walk-in before the night is over. Yeah, and I guess that's the other thing too. You do want to kind of leave yourself open to um, Mm – would you would, is serendipity the right context to say that? Term? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd suppose that's something. And um, times not pertaining to Sri Lanka, actually. The fra- this phrase serendipity comes from the word serendip, which was an old word for uh, for Sri Lanka because some people believed it was the place where Noah's Ark was uh, grounded. On interesting. The I don't know that exact connection, but there was a great deal of theological geography around that at some point or another. Well, on that wonderful note of interest... um, The more you know. The better. Um, We are going to be announcing the next program, which is actually not sharing science this week. I believe they are taking a winter hiatus. There you go. Um, So, yes, the next uh, bit will probably be just more fabulous music that CITR as a station has lined up for you guys. Um, And yeah, so we can go on a couple minutes longer? Yes. In that case, what what's what's the, what's, your, what's your guys take on the Christmas situation? We always have room for that in these episodes. We did talk about that a little bit last time with Love Actually. What's what's your take on the Christmas situation, old boy? I don't know what accent I was doing there. I don't know what accent you were doing there. <laughs> okay, Jake. It's... We'll do a short segment because we can on on this. Okay, let's do this. Oh, you're talking. You're looking at me for this. Well, I always recommend Love Actually because did I use the Bill Nighy line last one? I'll you use it again. Do recommend Love Kids Actually. don't buy drugs. Become a big pop star. They give them to you for free. Words to live by. Um, I think one of radio the, doesn't count, but uh, that's a little sucky about this Christmas situation. Is that I've been doing these reruns of the Christmas classics, both music and film, for just too long. I think I'm just sick of it all because it's like. It's literally the same thing every Amen. I need something new, and I need uh, something fresh. Yeah, um, I was just about to say, as soon as you said Christmas, I was like, all right, I'm going to go in on the Christmas songs. Okay. Um, it's kind of like, on top of, of, of us hearing the same things every single year since we were alive, um, they're also very, like, it's almost like you're forced to be cheerful, you know? It's like... You know, you you get this like collective, like national, where like, wherever, all all the places in the world that celebrate Christmas, like you're almost like pressured to feel like feel happy, um, even if uh, you you just don't want to. I, I'm I'm also gonna mention um, people who are taking exams right now. It's kind of like whenever you walk into a Starbucks or something, like it's kind of hard to you know it's kind of annoying almost to 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 hear like oh like christmas cheers snow is falling on that dancing and get your coffee at tim horton that's actually that's actually 
probably like the gist of the point of Holy Mo, which was a um, rendition yeah, of the Nativity mm-hmm. Story um, by Pacific Theater. Um, and they did a really, really fabulous original hilarious production uh which i really appreciated and totally like it made me feel so good about this holiday season um and i love i love that's like one of the things that i love about like arts report in general is that just shows you new fresh takes on things um i shouldn't say arts report i should say um local theater and and plays because day before christmas was a beautiful example of how you can take like the same kind of feel good, like just normal, like Christmas movie feeling, but like have a new story to it because I'd never seen that story on stage and I'd never even heard of it, but like it still gave me the same feeling. We've never seen that specific story. Yeah. Um, but we have seen that story. In, in, but I, in that's like what yeah. I, yeah, I that's... like. And J- Jacob Marley's, uh, we've talked about this mm-hmm. multiple times, Jacob Marley's uh, Christmas Carol. I'd never seen that side of the Christmas Carol. But this is what I'm searching for and what I'm hunting for. It's like things like Jacob Marley, things like Holy Mo, things like Day Before Christmas. That's, that's Did you kind guys of hear of the new for. Christmas song? I forget what it's called, but it's by Major Lazer and just talks about weed the entire time. Because I'm of course it does. Because of course, <laughs> it's a Christmas song remake. But you know what? I think that <laughs> yeah. to that's each that's your own. Green Christmas for you. Exactly. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I like that song. I, green Christmas is probably my favorite Christmas song. The uh, Green Christmas. Yeah, Bare Naked Ladies. You know. Depending on this conversation, we still have to. They're they're a Canadian band. We could play that. And we, we we honestly could. Uh, another thing that I was thinking about, and I don't remember when I last uh, heard of this, but. There was there's something called the Beatnik Christmas, and I think it's a play. I I really am wondering because I the it, you, listeners help me out with this. It could be it could be a, a poem, it could be a story. I don't remember, but I thought about it when we were discussing William Burroughs in the last one. And if I recall it correctly, because this is a very hazy recollection for me, and it's that it was sort of a play where. It's set in Christmas of Christmas Eve of 1960, I think it is, and you got all of the the beats there. You got Burroughs, you got Kerouac, you got um, as a Howell guy, Ginsburg, um, and uh, their assorted crew of uh, friends. And it goes about as well as you'd think it would, because when you have all of these people here at a holiday where the liquor stores are open, that's not going to end well. Um, and it was it was sort of a, a funny Christmas story in that regard. It was kind of darkly funny, which seems does seem to be a theme of a lot of our discourse here. Yeah, that's it. I've been able to find Black Mirror and Bertolt Brecht, amu- uh, Brecht inter- funny, so I don't know. But Brecht. you know, I Brecht. don't mind Brecht. it. I feel like that is as I get older, but the why? sense of my humor. Well, yeah, but like dark humor is so great because it's like complicated, you know. Well, it's it, like not so. I I distinctly recall one moment in there where William S. Burroughs. Having done what he believes to be heroin, but he's it's a placebo. I think it's like talcum powder or something, which is amazing. He's still alive at the end of it, but he's William S. Burroughs. It was many ama- amazing times when he was still alive at many, various points in his life. It, it, he's sitting beside the Christmas tree, and he's he's sort of talking to the tree. This is what I'm, I'm remembering, but he's sort of talking to the tree. And then I think it's uh, Ginsburg walks in. And the, the, the guy playing Ginsburg had this big beard and haircut that was kind of conical. And he stands beside the tree and it was this brief visual gag. Burroughs, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm talking to you. That's the tree. Oh, funny that. It's, that, that was the joke. 
that was the the joke. I'm really wondering how much I remember of this and how much I just made up. If not, I'm gonna write this uh, for for something. For seems, something. It seems like it would and be And speaking funny. of which, another fun fact about Jake, you guys should continue to listen because there definitely will be a pop quiz at some point in the <laughs> new year. Um, Jake is a doing a competition where he writes a play every day. I, it's a short story every week a short for story a year. Every week. Inspired oh, by uh, Ray Bradbury, who the story about Ray Bradbury is that he was a reference librarian. He was, he was like the other Raymond, Raymond Carver, in that he had a dead-end job that gave him time to write and essentially and Bradbury was a reference librarian so he'd just work and he said it's impossible to write 52 bad stories in a year so do one a week and that was the uh, gist with which I think he ended up uh, one of the stories ended up being the basis for what became Fahrenheit 451 and uh, I'm in this with a couple friends of mine and I, I do I do plays uh, sometimes um, and Jake is hoping to get some of his plays on stage yes for anybody listening uh <laughs> The arts club may not be too friendly right now, so uh, yeah, there's there's a shot. I've I've kind of considering Mary Poppins. Actually, arts club, if you're still listening, Mary Pop, if if you want to do that, I will reevaluate Mary Poppins in general. I thought, Jake, you have integrity. Stop this. I don't have integrity. No, you've please. heard when me. You've known to... me for over a year. Okay, when it Stop comes to starving, right now. Star- when it comes to starving artists, we have no moral integrity. We will Stop sell this out right now. for guys. <laughs> sell we are our like souls. an independent. <laughs> we are an independent. <laughs> A radio show in an independent radio station. We are also trying to like eat as well. I, I, I'm I'm pretty good with that, but I'd still you know it's kind of fun. Another fun fact: Jake is a fantastic cook that likes to cook fancy ramen. I do. Every, everything everything I learned from cooking, I learned from Hannibal. It's a great show. Um, and here we go again with the darkness. We yeah. just cannot. Oh come escape. on, that show is hilarious. We seriously cannot escape. Eddie yeah. Izzard eats his own leg. He's like it's a little gaby, oh <laughs> because that's what happened when you make Eddie Izzard eat parts of his own anatomy. He's going to crack wise. I've been collecting the trigger warnings for this entire show, and the list is getting far too long, my friends. What? What do we have trigger warnings for? And even as it comes out of my mouth, I realize, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. okay, there we go. Yeah, there we go. There we go. It's the beginnings of self-awareness. This is also how Skynet rose. Um, so, yeah. Veering off that, again, so Beatniks Christmas. I don't know if it exists, but it will by next year. Um, and I guess for you guys, what's one Christmas story you'd want to see? That uh, hasn't old, been shown yet. Yeah, an old one maybe that you'd like to see revitalized or yeah, just one that hasn't been made. Yeah. Some, yeah, is it possible? Oh yes, definitely. I'm not really big into like Christmas movies or anything. Um, I would say one that I'd like to see, because I see a lot of the original. Like this original, I've seen multiple, multiple times, but I don't think I've ever seen it redone. Is Charlie Brown's Christmas? Actually, I was just thinking about that because I've never seen it before. And my friend kept, like, trying to, like, he kept saying, like, every single Christmas day, I was like, you're going to watch this. I never watched it. Because, like, I'd like to see it, like, maybe on stage or maybe, like, in a new Oh, with people form. with, like, ginormous, like, um, like, just ginormous, like, Charlie Brown heads and they're Like, ginormous Mardi Gras heads looking at you with these sort of inhuman Greek theater manner and a tiny no, Christmas No, that's not tr- what she was talking about. No? 
talking about more cute bobbleheads, okay? Cute bobbleheads. Actually, they wouldn't be cute if they were that big, but no, you know. they'd be large and made out of plastic and have frightening expressions painted Just on like them. Just like Oh Lord, Explorer. okay, Jake. What kind of story would you like to see revitalized, huh? <laughs> I mentioned that. I'm, I'm not saying that's not impossible. I'm just saying that the giant Mardi Gras heads might not be a good idea. And that's the second time I've said that this year. The first time ended in charges. So let's just be honest about this. Mardi Gras heads, probably not a good idea. Also, Dash, sorry about that. Again, I probably should have told you louder. Um, how's Selma doing? Selma? Yeah, yeah, don't ask about it. It gets worse. Oh, dear. Yeah. My Uncle Frankie warned me about that, too. He said, Jake... Mardi Gras heads, really, Mardi Gras any part of you, bad idea. <laughs> at, at, at worst, it's an inconvenience. At best, it's false advertising. But yeah, Charlie Brown Christmas could totally work. <laughs> We're just derailing this entire time. This is bad. Yeah, like a very bad train engineer. No, this, I, literally, the title for this entire show and the theme for this entire show, at least... For November the, not November, December the 14th is a mixed bag. We've got a mixed bag of content for you That's guys good. today. <laughs> well, there we go. And what about, what about you, Christine? What about me? Did you say Charlie Brown Christmas or just yeah, say Charlie no, Brown? I, I, no, she I'm an idiot. She and, stole and I my agreed. idea. Yeah, I, I did Immediately steal cut it. from the show. Just <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. So we have Charlie Brown Christmas. And what about you, Jessica? Um, I honestly, I don't really watch that many. I can't think of any Christmas movies because I don't really watch them. I just catch them when they're on, if ever. I don't even watch TV anymore. But I take it you've seen a Christmas movie a couple times in your life because yeah. it's really hard to avoid that. Um, like can't everything think of any in pop culture. Oh, uh, you guys are putting me on the spot and I'm not like there's, ready. Like there's a movie like National Lampoon's okay, okay. Christmas. Like, mm. Where no, like li- list list like a bunch of because I haven't Elf. seen National Lampoon. I I would rectify that immediately. That movie's hilarious. Um, you had to you had to see pre Community Chevy Chase, who looks very unlike Community Chevy Chase. Home Alone. Yeah, yeah, Home Alone's a Christmas. It's a Wonderful Life is the quintessential. Santa Claus. I'm sorry, I haven't seen any of these. The Santa Claus really? Tim, Tim Allen. It's yeah. a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Really is a classic yeah. because. Um, that's, that is a really good movie and that's, Frank Capra makes, made, made, he's long dead, but, uh, he made really good feel good movies that generally hold up pretty well. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The, the animated version, animated version, please. If I were honest, I, the The only, the only like Christmas movies I can think of right now are straight up Disney. Like they're from, on Disney channel. Which one? Well, it's just like, um... Uh, there was one with just, like, the show Good Luck Charlie. Like, it's just these kind of, like, remake. Uh, Is that the not... prequel to Porks of Being a Wallflower? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. That, That's okay. like a kid's TV series. I'm saying you could add one. Okay, so, no. So, so like, those are the kinds of things that I'm talking about. Like, I have legitim- I legitimately can't remember any Christmas movies that I've seen, at least at this moment. Okay, let's so. put you on the spot, Jake. Um, instead of <laughs> yeah, just yeah, so, the other like, people around. You, Jake. For you, how much of Christmas, like... Is the majority of Christmas to you traditions? The majority of Christmas for my family. What fam- is Christmas to you? And is it majority Christmas? For my family, it is, it is really about seeing everybody. It's about getting everybody together, and there are traditions that sort of uphold that. But at the end of the day, like, there's a few ticks that we do. Like, we almost always watch Love Actually. We almost usually have Tortiera on Christmas Day. So and these kind of, like, traditions we, no. make Christmas Christmas. That's sort of for us, because we are non-denominational. Uh, we, we're not 
religious, but it's also oh. past the point where you can. It's it, it's such a ubiquitous holiday that you can celebrate Christmas. I run through that a belief in the. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. That a belief in it's Christianity. Been like that for a while now. Yeah, and that I I find that interesting, and I I, I find because because I'm I'm fascinated by religion. Yeah. And that's that's something I've always found interesting about it because my 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 grandparents were are, are and were both very religious, and that's something I find very interesting. And I guess the thing about Christmas for us is that we get together with all of our families, our maternal families, my, my maternal family, my paternal family, my brother and family. my brother, my nephews and niece in Ottawa, which is actually where I'm flying after okay. this for all you stalkers out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. AKA everyone. Yeah, you, we, know, we know what you're doing. Well, <laughs> considering that well, Avenue that Q real song. Movie real fast, but continue. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. And I guess part of it in that case is just because... It sticks. People like ritual to a degree. I I, I like little rituals. There are little oh, yeah. rituals that They're comforting keep me sane week to week. For me, shaving is 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 a bizarre ritual that I, I keep doing because it involves Cole Porter music. Okay. This is just this is just shaving my face. More this is... fun facts about Jake. This is this is getting start taking notes, guys. If you haven't already been doing so, yeah. yeah. Why, why wouldn't you? Yeah, and I, I, I guess. Yeah, it, it, these the traditions are sort of little traditions of unity. Like every time, I, on uh, my family has people over on Christmas Day who otherwise don't have a, a, a have an immediate place to to go, or who are are up near us for whatever reason. It's nice. Yeah. It's, what about you guys, though? Um, I my family honestly, we used to uh, meet every. We're still going. Like I'm surprised. But, like, because th- I thought we were going, like, supremely over time. Anyway. Life is productivity and we'll stop when we're dead. Carry on. <laughs> we can that sleep when lie. we're dead. We are going to wrap up this conversation soon. Don't uh, worry. All right. Um, so, um, yeah, our family used to, like, because my entire dad's side of the family is uh, lives in, like, the White Rock slash South Surrey area. So we used to, like, when I was younger, all get together in our living room. Mm. And then our family is, like, intensely musical like um uh we've got like piano teachers we've got like half my family in the the local choir so we just like sing christmas carols and everything you know because we're asian we get a lot of food um and yeah but um in recent years that's kind of died down a little bit um except for last year when um it we kind of like brought it back and that was that was pretty nice but uh in terms of like traditional like super traditional Christmas things. Um, I never believed in Santa. Um, we don't really do the Christmas stockings thing, nor do we do like presents under the tree on Christmas morning. Like, um, so I think what I enjoy about Christmas and the idea of it is again, like the whole, um, getting together with, I guess your family, um, or your loved ones. And just like taking that time to spend together when you might not, otherwise and plus it's like really cold outside and it's like kind of like you kind of just want to like cuddle inside with with people that you love and you know with like hot chocolate or something and then like eat a lot and just it feels nice that is sort of the one cheesy cliche that is that is true in every christmas movie is a lot of the one of the great things about the holidays is getting together with people you love yeah 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 and i think it's like a really interesting thing that society at least north american society has made room for regardless of what religion or background you come from they allow space for that time to just hang out with your family hang out with your loved ones like when you're working like that's like a 
it's like a day off when if you're in school it's like an entire break like you know what I mean like a couple weeks it's like I feel like society at least North American society is very it's very respectful of like giving people that break to be with family unless you guys don't see it that way but I see it that way no that's a nice way to see it I think I think we're all in agreement there yeah there's a song by uh, Hayes Carl called Grateful for Christmas off of uh, Maybe album. that one's a better one to play than Green Christmas. Green, Green Christmas for me is something that's always had a little bit of resonance okay. for reasons that you can fill in. But Grateful for – also, the one thing is Hayes Carl's American. Green, the Bare Naked Ladies are Canadian. Right. We're, but we're Grateful for Christmas is, is a really good song because uh, we, we, we could play Grateful for Christmas. Honestly, we could. It's a great song. It is a little bit of a sad song because – it's about how, because as Hayes Carl himself, because he's a singer-songwriter, has his family has evolved in this way, uh, that it's eventually just come to mean this occasion for unity throughout these changes. Changes yeah. for him in his family that have been largely negative. Hmm. So there's something to that. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a fitting end to 2016. Okay. It really would. Okay, that's fair. Then on that note... Um, Merry Christmas to everybody who's listening. Uh, the Arts Report loves, loves, loves you all. And, and you're all special. <laughs> <laughs> well, statistically, that's untrue, but you, you could keep that one if you oh want. My like, like snowflakes. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's take the sarcasm down with well, like 100 notches. We're in Vancouver, so slush, but uh, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Hayes Carol, grateful for Christmas. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back in January and have yourself a wonderful evening. Cheers, folks. See you in 2017. You guys like to do one more song? Sure. We'll do something totally seasonally inappropriate here, but uh, uh, this is a Christmas song. It's really just a song about my family. Well, we all had to wake up for the birth of our Lord. My folks and my brother in an 82 Ford. We'd pull in the driveway filled up with cars, old aunts and old uncles. Lord, I see stars. And then we'd run to the kitchen, you know, kids and the games. Play fetch with old Buster, call each other names. Aunt Betty'd be singing while supper was cooking. We'd unwrap the gifts when no one was looking. Let's all gather round Grandpa say the blessing And change she fell asleep Mary Kay she burned the dressing We got all of our friends and family here And I'm grateful for Christmas this year This year we're in Houston Let's all get together. Man, I almost saw snow. Can you believe this weather? Who's going to be here? Uncle Frank can't make it. And since Grandpa died, I don't know if Nana can take it. But this present's a sweater, and the pie don't taste right. And Dad and the TV are starting to fight. I wish I had a drink or maybe a dozen. Lord, what I'd give for one good-looking cousin. 
So let's all gather round. Dad, you say the blessing. And Shane, she fell asleep. Mary Kay forgot the dressing. But we got all of our friends and family here. And I'm grateful for Christmas this year. I miss him too. Now the Christmas lights don't make your hair look blue. The cousins ain't coming. John's overseas. And I guess my wife loves her folks more than me. But the ladies from the church said they might stop by. I brought you this picture. Oh, mama, don't cry. Let's play cards and watch the news channel. I love you too. Thanks for the flannel. Let's all gather round I guess I'll say the blessing And change, she fell asleep And I never cared for dressing But we got all of our friends and family here And I'm grateful for Christmas this year Yeah, I'm grateful Christmas this year. 90.3 FM KEXP. Hayes Carl, live here.